Okay. Do you feel like a guinea pig this morning? I've never done what I'm going to do. Uh, I've never communicated this way, but I need to give you a foundation of understanding where I'm coming from, because you see, my, my role as, as a pastor teacher here is to equip you, and I'm going to be held accountable. I'm going to stand before my king, my king, and he's going to say, Bill, what did you do with the love I gave you? What did you do with the wisdom I gave you? What did you do with the knowledge of me that I gave you? And I'm going to have to say, well, I want to say, I, and, I, and I will say, I did my best. I did my best. And so I'm always trying to improve. I'm always looking for better ways to do something And if I get stuck in a rut doing the same old thing, I'm married to the most extraordinary wife that says, what are you doing? You're in a rut. You're doing the same thing. That's the third Sunday in a row that you've done that same format. What are you doing? Are you truly listening to him? And so so I have learned to listen. And I've learned to look. And uh, so I'm always reading. I'm always wanting to develop my understanding of things. And so I read something this week that came from somebody that I have heard over many years. And I read his stuff and I listened. I've, uh, I've actually, we went to uh, Peterborough and he spoke. We went all the way across uh, the country to a conference and he was speaking. And it's a guy called uh, James Emery White and uh, he posts regular stuff. He's a leader of a dynamic church, but he's a, um, a professor. He's a, a writer of books. He's a studier of society and community and leads a, quite an extraordinary church that's made up. It's thousands of people large, and they're mainly in their 20s. And yet he's my age because of the way that he teaches and the things that he does. And he wrote something this week. Uh, I get some stuff from him. And, um, and he, was re- he was commenting on something that he'd read, uh, a tech report that he'd read, discussing uh, the 50 most interesting video statistics, the statistics about video in communication. Okay, no, I'm not going to read you the 50. I'm going to talk about two, just, just so you've got some information. He says, internet users today, internet users recall 85% of the information that comes to them through video, but only 10% of what comes to them via text. 85% of what you see when you're online, surfing when you're on YouTube or Instagram or whatever other medium or pattern or 85% of what you see you recall. It's quite interesting, isn't it? But only 10% of the things, the information that comes to you via text. That was just one of the interesting facts for me. And and it kind of went, it's the first one in his list and it got my attention. And then I scrolled down to the last one. And it was this. People recall 80% of what they watch, 20% of what they read, 10% of what they hear. 
80% of what you watch, you recall. Now, if I was to say, do you remember that film? And I named the film. If you've watched that film, if you're anything like me, I can go through the film in my head. I can re- <laughs> It's a man thing, Mary. <laughs> it's a man thing. <laughs> so, so this got me thinking. What if I communicate to you this morning, instead of you just watching me, what if you watch Jesus? What if you watch four videos that I'm going to show you now, um, pretty much back-to-back, but not back-to-back. I'm going to just very briefly say something because I want, you to under, I want your understanding to grow about him. And the title of what I want to present to you today is that compassion confounds conformity. Compassion confounds conformity. Or another way, uh, this was the original way that I wrote that, compassion disrupts conformity. Conformity is the law. You have to do this. You have to do that. You've got to wear a suit and tie to be a preacher. You've got to have a big black Bible to be a preacher. When I started going to church, that's what they all looked like. They all looked like that. They were big and short and round and not so round. But they all had a suit and they all had a tie. <laughs> yeah, most of them were red ties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my very first, because when I went to Bible college, I didn't own a suit. And uh, Ellen said, Bill, you need to go and buy a suit. I said, I don't want to wear a suit. I don't want to buy a suit. I'm going to wear my jeans. I'm not wearing a suit. She said, Bill, you've got to have a suit. You're going to be a pastor. You've got to have a suit. So we went looking for a suit, and I, uh, we went to this suit shop, and I tried this lovely blue, dark blue suit on, and Ellen said, that's really nice. It's perfect for a funeral. That's what she, that's what she said. So I bought the green one. Seriously, I don't know whether you remember. I had a green suit when I first came here. It, it was awful. It was the green of your, your sweat top. It was. It was that kind of green. But, that, but it was a worse green than yours. Yours is a nice green. All right, just saying. That's a nice green. But you see, we are, we are pressurized to conform. And church over generations has pressurized people to conform. And I want to show you how Jesus' compassion disrupts that, wrecks it, blows it out of the water, and they have fun doing it. That he had fun doing it, and the disciples had fun. I want to show you that it's from the chosen, so it is an interpretation. It's not scripture, but it's scriptural. Okay, I want you to understand that. Three of the four videos that I'm going to show you. The first one you'll find in Matthew 12. I'm not going to be more precise than that this month. Well, I will. Matthew 12, 9 to 13. The second one I'm going to show you is Matthew 8, 1 to 4. The, fourth, the third one is Matthew, Matthew 21, 14 is the most precise reference to what you're going to see. But it's also covered by Matthew 15, 29. Okay? And then the last one, the last one you need to understand this. It's not a specific conversation that Jesus had that's recorded in Scripture. But the principle is theologically sound. I've watched a debate, a round table, by the director of Chosen and 
a Pentecostal theologian, a, a Jewish rabbi, and a Catholic uh, theologian. And they talked about what this scene that you're going to see in a moment represents. And it's the most profound scene out of all the shows that have been shown. They've had more reaction and response to this one scene that you're going to see because of what it says, because of what's communicated, that is completely biblical. And you can find the biblical reference for what you're going to hear and see in 2 Corinthians 12.8. Okay, but that's Paul talking about this scenario that he's in. Okay, so I'm going to just say a little bit more. You see, um, when compassion disrupts conformity, it's going to look like law-breaking. And so the question theologians have asked over the years is, did Jesus break the law? And there are two laws, uh, there's lots of laws, but there's the written, um, there's the written uh, Torah and the oral Torah. And the written Torah is like the Ten Commandments and the stuff like that. But then the oral was, oh, we're going to add to that. We, so if we're not going to work on the Sabbath, what does we have to classify work? So work became, anything, you can't pick anything up. You, you can't pick anything up. You're not allowed to pick up anything. And so then they have, well, actually, what if a child falls over? So they began to make then allowances and they began to broaden the laws and explain the laws. And it became super complicated, so complicated that people weren't sure what to do. So when you, you know the guy at the pool of Bethsaida when Jesus heals him and he gets up and he's told to pick up his mat? He's told to break the law. Jesus is saying, pick up your mat. Now, if you look at The Chosen, there's a, I've looked at this clip because I was going to use that, but I'm not. Uh, the disciple comes over him to the, the, um, the guy that's just been healed. And he says, why am I picking up my mat? He's, and the disciple says, because you're never coming back here again. Which was like, oh, Lord. Oh, I wanted to include that bit, but I've told you about it now. So I'm going to show you these. Okay, but um, there's a commentator called, a German commentator, a German theologian called Edward uh, Luce, and he wrote this. While the rabbis could at least, at most, sorry, while the rabbis could at most allow that the Sabbath could be desecrated as an exception in order to save a person's life, Jesus reversed this thinking. No longer was Sabbath and following the law seen as primary. Rather, people and their needs were placed above the Sabbath commandment. And I want to show you that. I want you to understand what it means to be full of compassion. So much so that you sometimes will break convention. And you will be thought of as a rebel. But God will smile. God will smile. And God will make a way for his kingdom to come through your genuine compassion for somebody else. So, Dan, if we can play the first one, mate, please. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the 10th generation, none of them may enter 
the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way. Shalom. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. May I, may I see? Because they did not meet you with bread and with what? Excuse me. What are you doing? What is your name? Elam. Your friend Elam has a withered hand. Are you a healer? It is not lawful to heal on Sabbath. Which one of you who has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Who are you to speak to our congregation in such a of way? How much more value is this man than a sheep? Stop this at once. Come here. Come stand here. Elam, sit down. We don't know this person. He could be a shaman. Is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? This affliction does not threaten his life. It does not even affect his health. Let it up. I've seen this so many times because I've been watching it and working in my heart and letting God just work in my heart. Do you see the disciples in the background smiling? They know what's coming. They're anticipating. They're beginning to understand what he's doing. And you see the religious confounded and disrupted. And even in their confusion, they shout, come back. (laughs) I love it. What do you think you're doing? Only God can. That's really true. This is the Jesus you follow. This is the Jesus you follow. Okay? We're going to play the next one. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? (laughs) Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you cannot this disease. 
please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. the humanity don't they in the in the portrayal of this savior of us this king you need to understand that lepers were unclean they were they were told to, to walk around and if they came close to people they had to yell unclean unclean they had to declare that they were less than acceptable to the populace that they were isolated by their illness they had to actually wear uh, uh, rags, torn clothes. They couldn't just wear clothes. They had to wear. So there's a significance in the way that they pre- they they represent the extra tunic being brought, because they were. Jesus wanted to cover the thing that symbolizes his shame, his uncleanness, because he's clean, 
And between this moment and getting to the priest to say, look at me, examine me, and here's my offering, people would have still thought he was a leper. But the, the tunic changed that. You know, and in the moment when you confess Christ, he gives you a, a, a robe of righteousness that's not yours. And people might say, Bill, you, yeah, you, you used to do this, that, and the other, and now you tell me you're a Christian. Yeah, but you haven't changed? No. Yeah, but I'm in the process. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey of showing the righteousness that's inside because of the cleansing of the king who set me free. I know these things that I'm showing you are about healing. And I'm not just wanting to promote that Jesus heals, although he does. There's all sorts of things that people need to be healed of. And I'm in the process of allowing Jesus to bring healing to something in me that, um, that's a challenge. But it's okay. Because I've watched these and I've watched these and I've watched these just making sure I know what I'm doing, showing them to you. But they've been ministering to me. So I feel as though the things that have really shaped my life Jesus is now just saying Bill it's okay it's okay I've got you covered I've got you covered it's okay I'm going to show you two more I'll show this next one there's more fun watching you do the miracles or watching the reaction uh, the miracles are so much better when the Pharisees are around <laughs> alright yeah. we need to get you to a new place is there a camp we should take you to or do you want to stay at Simon's again probably best to get you to a new place maybe with Andrew I think it would be best what is it why did we stop it's him Barnaby we don't need to bother it's fine Shula I'm grateful you brought Barnaby here for the healing of his leg no I brought her she's She's the one who... I know Barnaby. <laughs> of course. Please. She won't ask. Shula. Are you afraid to ask for healing? Yes. Do you have faith that I can heal you? Of course. And why haven't you asked? You have so much to do, Rabbi. So many people need you more. I'm, I'm used to this. Shula, look at me. Look at you. I can't see you anyway. I want to see your face. You and Barnaby have been so kind and lovely from the first time I met you. Your faith has been so strong, even though you haven't seen a miracle. You redeemed my friend. Mary's miracle was so clear to me, I didn't need sight. I know. You see better than most in this region. But since your friend Barnaby here won't leave me alone...
What? Did it work? It's been so long. I'm afraid to look. It's time, Shula. Did it? This is about you. This is about her. Some other time, maybe. We'll see. You're a true friend. Well, now, friends, we must all get home. Barnaby. She will still need you to walk her home. It's getting late. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. shalom. Thank you. I'll take this from you. I don't think you'll need it anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Here it is. My, my legs. <laughs> did, did you? Of course he did, Barnaby. Who else? You're welcome, Barnaby. Now, get Shula to her home. You can do it faster than normal tonight, huh? <laughs> Pharisees around for this one. Still, just as fun. Great. What you see? What you see? You can talk to me. What do you see? What have you seen in these three? Have you seen compassion? Have you seen compassion confounding conformity? Even in Barnaby, he's willing to just conform to his problem because his compassion is for his friend. And so he's willing to... But Jesus' compassion overrides him willing to just put up with this situation and his circumstances. 
And I love that little moment, the way that they capture, you know, Jesus says, oh, oh, here it is. Here it is. What do you see? What do you think? Uh, I'm interested now, all right? I'm I'm interested. What are you thinking? What is this doing? Remember, 80% of what you, you see, you will recall. What are you seeing? Tell me what you're seeing. Care and love and kindness. Just embracing people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see that the compassion of Jesus disrupts the status quo. Because uh, in that last <coughs> clip, Shula said, um, I'm used to it. That's powerful. Yeah. I'm fine. Mm. Some other time. Yeah. <sighs> I think um, I think what you see is that Jesus' desire uh, to make people whole is limitless. Yeah. Because he although Bar- Barnaby doesn't ask for that. He sees that he can do that as well. Yeah. yeah. Terry. It made me cry. <laughs> me too. Me too. Mm. You're a strong man. I saw in the first one when the Pharisees, I think it was, they, and then Jesus went, <sighs> it's the... Those things you don't read in the Bible, his reactions, it's the human reactions to things that are going on around us. It is just actors playing a role, but they're filling in between scripture lines with humanity. And, um, and if you're interested, you can go to the Chosen website and you can see conversations with theologians discussing how they structured the scenes that they're doing. And how it was important that it was not just them using the Bible as a text for a film, but it was them trying to communicate all, all that is unseen as when we read Scripture, the humanity of this King of us. Anybody else? I'll tell you something. I love in that last clip. I don't know. You might not have heard it, but right at the beginning, the disciples say. Um, it's really fun when the Pharisees are around, <laughs> when the miracles are happening. It's fun because they were getting a taste of God's heart to set people free from religiosity that they were bound with in the day. And we can be bound by in our day. And then at the end, the disciple says, well, it's fun even if they're not around. <laughs> it's fun. I, I love that. But um, this next clip. This next clip. <clears throat> this next clip. You need to understand, and I've said it already, that it's not representing a biblical uh, moment that we have recorded in Scripture, but it's representing... Uh, a theological point that is all the way through scripture and they were crafting it in to the making of this program and the actor you need to know that the actor is actually physically handicapped he's actually got a limp 
And when he came for the audition, and he plays, the actor plays a little James, and they've differentiated between James and little James in the script of the program just so that people know which James is which. And this actor came, and he's short, uh, but he's also got a limp. And, uh, and he, he auditioned brilliantly. And the uh, Dallas, the director of the, of the program, um, wanted him to play little James in the, in the film, in the filming, but realised that having him with a disability was going to show because he limps as he walks. And so they, they chose to not, not have him, but to build in what you're going to see because it represents something that many of us are confounded and confused by. I'm tempted to say more, but I'm not. Dan, thanks, John, with the lights. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I am... Forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak. It's a very good quality. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. Please? You're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. <laughs> Forgive me, I just find that difficult to imagine with my condition. Which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Then why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you. Right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't hear you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this, to know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. 
Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, they're so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David that I fearfully and wonderfully made. But it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others, stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James. Remember. You will be healed. It's only a matter of time. What do you think?
Are you silenced? (laughs) Do you see his compassion? Do you see how little James is being set free from feeling less than because he hasn't been healed? I know more people that haven't been healed than have been healed. I know lots of people that have been healed. I personally have had him heal me, but I've also known him not heal me. His compassion is confounding convention. He's breaking open hearts and sometimes... Like Paul says in Corinthians, he said, I boast. I boast about my weakness. That isn't meaning that he goes around bragging up that he's, that he's <coughs> handicapped in whatever way Paul was disabled. But he brags about the fact that God is able to use him even though he's not fully fit. You see, sometimes... we think less of ourselves because we don't fit a pan. We think less of ourselves because a church teaches healing and we're not healed. We think less of ourselves because he doesn't. Why hasn't he touched me? But I think that eloquently pictures the compassion of the Father to trust you with your limp, Bill so that you might, through your life, live to the best of your ability. Give him glory. Bring them praise. I wonder what you've really seen. I wonder what you've really seen. I'm looking at you. I'm wondering what you've seen. Because, you see, you will remember 80 to 85% of what you've seen, those images that I've presented to you. I could have talked to you about his compassion. And you'll just remember 10%, if that. If that. For goodness sake, if you ask me in a minute, Bill, what did you preach about? I'd struggle to remember what I talk about. But if you remember his compassion, maybe... When you see the opportunities for you with compassion to disrupt somebody's conformity to a pattern of life that is unhelpful for them, your compassion for them will show them a window of hope. That the grace of God will be able to invade into their space, into their lives, because you know his compassion towards you. Because he has disrupted you. I really do want to know what you think. So maybe I'm going to finish now and ask you to talk about it around your table. And in at 12 o'clock, we'll go and get coffee. So you've got seven minutes according to that clock. Ten minutes according to my watch. So we'll go by mine. So for ten minutes, for ten minutes, what have you seen? Say what you've seen. It'll help your memory, but it'll help others. Say what you've seen. Enough of me. Over to you to be an agent 
of help and support and encouragement on your table. So go. Go. Can we put the other lights on?